with you. Well, Mike, I've got good news. Bill will not preach a sermon that steps on your toes this morning. <laughs> Can't promise that I won't, but we'll see. Um, <clears throat> boy, I had, <laughs> I had a week. Um, I was in the office Monday morning and about two hours on Tuesday. And then Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, I, I was beat up. I <laughs> uh, had some colds, not COVID. I got tested and everything, and kids got sick, and then I got sick, and it was a long week. Um, huh? Share it with your family. Right, yeah. Uh, my, my kids are good at sharing. Um, but, you know, I, I woke up today feeling better uh, than I have in a week, so... Uh, I'm glad for that. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing this message with you this morning. Um, I'm going to do the best I can. So let me pray. Father God, thank you uh, for today. Thank you for uh, helping me be well enough to come and share this morning. Thank you for all that has been shared already um, and the worship that uh, we've been able to participate in. God, it is, it is a privilege to be here. Um, it is wonderful uh, that we can be together. Uh, and build each other up and uh, encourage one another. And uh, I just pray that through our study of your word this morning uh, that we can grow closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so I like, I like routine. I like, I like structure. I like predictability. Um, but I work in ministry uh, in the time of COVID, and I have five children at home. Um, so... That doesn't exactly go together uh, right now. Uh, interruptions to my routine are both a regular occurrence and a, uh, and a source of frustration at times for me. Um, we're going to look at a story today uh, that appears in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke that involves an interruption that could not be ignored. Uh, we're not going to look too closely, we're not going to look at all, at Matthew's account, uh, but it's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, if you want to look that up later. Uh, <clears throat> but we're going to combine uh, Mark's and, and Luke's accounts here, and, and we're going to uh, get some of that detail from both of them, from, from Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of the side-by-side the -side comparison uh, up from those books. And so <clears throat> we're going to start with Mark 2. Verses 1 and 2 in Luke 5, 17. So, starting with Mark, it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Luke says, One day when Jesus was teaching, and one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So there's, there's a lot of people. They are crowded in there. They, they are ready to hear what Jesus has to say. That text is a little bit small. I'm sorry. Um, but <clears throat> they, they are excited. It's literally a packed house. Nobody else can get in. And as we will see, that, that creates an obstacle, right? For, for some guys who, they are coming to Jesus with something very 
very important in mind. Let's read on. Mark chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Luke says like this, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, if someone were to need to bring someone uh, you know, to the front here today, no, no problem, right? We've got a nice big aisle open doors. It's not going to be uh, any problem. It's not quite standing room only uh, in here. Boy, that would be a nice problem to have. But <clears throat> these guys, four of them, Mark says, carrying their friend who's paralyzed, they turn up, they're carrying a corner of the mat, and they see this giant crowd, and it's probably, oh no, now what? Now what are we going to do? They, they had this mission in mind. They have their friend and he's paralyzed and he needs help. And they're going to get him to Jesus because they know he's the one who can help. So they, they have a couple options. They get there and they see this giant crowd. Plan A isn't going to work. They were going to walk in. They were going to lay in front of Jesus and see what happens from there. Plan A is out the window. Can't do it. So then there's, there's two other choices. They can give up. We tried. Just didn't work out this time. Or they can do whatever it takes, right? They, they, can, they can find a way to get their friend to Jesus. And verse 4 and verse 19, they, they obviously say uh, they chose, we're going to do whatever it takes because this is too important not to do. This, this matters too much. Uh, they carry him up on the roof, and they lower him through the tiles. There, there's not a skylight in this ancient Israel house. Okay, This isn't something that was easy for them to do. Um, now, it was probably a flat roof. Uh, there was probably some stairs leading up to that roof. It wasn't like they lugged this guy up the ladder and you know passed him one to the other up the thing. But it was still quite a bit of effort. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, it, it's still a grown man that they're carrying on a mat. It's not, you know, like they're carrying an infant. You can just you know, throw him over your shoulder, whatever. But um, <clears throat> they mentioned that he was, he was lowered through the tiles, um, probably made out of clay and sticks and dirt. Maybe there was a little bit of grass on the top. Um, not the hardest thing in the world to get through, uh, but probably in that ancient, that Middle Eastern sun, it was probably fairly hard. But they knew we got to get him to Jesus. He's going to fix this. He's going to make the problem. It, it required some real work. How many of us would have stopped long before the point of lowering him through the roof to get him to Jesus. You know, maybe, maybe some of us would have seen the crowd and said, that's enough. 
Maybe we said, well, you know, let's, let's try and find another way. And then we saw the stairs. Ah, I'm not carrying them up the stairs. Or maybe we'd get into the roof and, and say, oh, this is really dry. This is hard. There, there's a lot of places where they could have stopped, right? There, there's a lot of times where it would have been easy to just say, you know what? We've done what we can. It's just not going to work out. Maybe we'll do this another time. Maybe we'll find another way. In theory, you know, we, we'd like to think, and we, we, we like to think the best of ourselves, and oh yeah, I would, do, I would do whatever it takes. I would go through anything I could if it meant that I could get my friend in front of Jesus and, and have him fix their problem. And, you know, I, I feel confident in, in my own personal ability to, to share the gospel and to share my story and to help someone understand how Jesus has changed my life. But I honestly can't tell you the last time that I did that that wasn't from the stage here or in youth group out in the youth house. I just don't do it like I should. I let, I let obstacles get in the way and, and, and stop me. I, I try to live my life in a way that that reflects my love for Jesus and that others can see him in me. And I try to have, you know, a Christ-like attitude and the way that I do everything that I do. But, but Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 28 were, try to live like me so people see you and want to know me. It's not exactly what he said, right? That's, that's not the idea that, well, maybe people can figure it out on their own if they see you. No, we got, we got to tell. We've got to do more than just that. You know, I, I was writing this, and I thought back to the time I was in high school, and I was, I was on fire for Jesus. I had just, uh, you know, accepted him and, and started going to church and really getting involved in everything. And, and I started, you know, asking my, my teammates, my classmates and stuff to, to come to church with me. And there was one particular uh, lesson in, in youth group that, that I heard from, uh, our youth minister, Kylie, and uh, had a little domino that, that we took on me, and he told us, write the name of one friend on there that you want to know to love Jesus. And the idea was, you know, you stack them up, and one person, you know, affects one more and one more and one more and so on and so forth. You know how dominoes work. And, and I wrote the name of my friend Jeff on there because I, I knew him. He was a good friend of mine. I knew that he didn't know Jesus. And there was one Wednesday night in particular that Jeff had finally said yes, he was going to come to church with me. Uh, so I, I finish practice, I go home, take a shower, go to pick him up, and his mom answers the door, and, and Jeff's not feeling very good, Andy. Uh, he, he's not going to come tonight. And I knew that. It was an excuse. He just, he didn't really want to come. He, I don't know, it felt like he had to say yes at first or whatever, but decided that, you know, ultimately he didn't want to come. And, you know, he'd been at school that day. He was at school the next day. Whatever. I, w I went to youth group, did the same old, you know, everything. And I'm not sure I ever invited him to church again. I, I'm, I'm almost positive that I didn't. I asked him once. He said yes. Then he bailed on me and I gave up on him more or less. I let that obstacle stop me. And, you know, as far as I know, Jeff doesn't know Jesus today. 
18 years later. And, and it's not that it was my responsibility. You know, God, God works on each individual person. The Holy Spirit draws people to himself, but I could have done more. I could have continued to ask him. I could have prayed for him more. I could have invited him more often, but I just, I didn't. Relating this to, to the scripture for today, I, you know, it would be like I walked up with my friend, got to the house, saw the crowd and said, well, I tried. Guess this is just a lost cause. Not going to happen. How many of us have done the same thing, though? We've, we've brought up Jesus, we've asked people to come to church, but we've been met with resistance and just gave up. We, we've been met with, well, this is a really uncomfortable conversation now, and so we just, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. I don't want things to be awkward. I don't want them to feel bad. You know what's going to feel really bad? Hell. It's going to feel really bad. Fortunately, for this paralyzed man, his friends didn't give up so easily. They got him in front of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Mark says in verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Luke says basically the same thing. Jesus sees their faith and he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. This is a bit of a weird interaction, right? Because these, these friends are bringing him to Jesus. Why? Because he's paralyzed. I'm pretty sure that they're not worried about his sin problem. But Jesus sees that's the real problem. Jesus knows and understands we can deal with the physical. But first, we need to deal with your sins. If it was me and some guy was suddenly lowered through the ceiling in front of me while I'm teaching, my reaction probably wouldn't be, oh, this is cool. Let me just do this real quick. I, I'd be very thrown off, okay? Um, I would get really flustered, and I'd probably lose my entire train of thought. I'd have to go back to my notes about 54 times. Uh, <clears throat> but Jesus looks at him. He sees the faith of his friends, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And the friends are probably, Jesus, that's great, but we brought him to you because he's paralyzed. We want him to be able to walk. But as Jesus was, as Jesus does, he did something completely unexpected. He, he forgave this man's sins, fixing a much bigger problem. The, now, the physical things that bother us, they're, they're a problem. They get in the way uh, of so many things, right? I, I, had all, I couldn't function for most of this week. I was useless around the house. Whitney probably felt like she had six kids at home instead of five. Um, you know, anyone who's ever needed a, a surgery to deal with their pain or uh, a parent who's dealt with a sick child, anyone who, whose body just doesn't do what you expect it to do anymore, we, we understand that these physical ailments, they, they cause all kinds of problems, but they're temporary, right? Someday, we're going to die, or Jesus is going to come back, and then 
those physical problems are gone. Right? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 speaks of, of heavenly bodies. Revelation 21 tells us that there will be no more pain in heaven. And so uh, my, my understanding of that, based on what I know of heaven from other scriptures, where we're going to have these, these perfect bodies that are no longer broken down, that, that are no longer worn out, that, that aren't weary like the, the song we uh, sang just a bit ago. They're, they're not going to be tired or worn or weak or weary or any of those things. We're going to have these, these perfect bodies without any physical ailments for all of eternity. Our bodies break down on earth. It's one of the many consequences of sin, right? In Genesis chapter 3, there, there's the fall of man and, and the curse of, of pain and childbirth for the woman, the, the curse of the physical toil uh, for the man. These are, these are very here and obvious and in-your-face problems like the paralyzed man being unable to walk. But his sin problem was bigger. Our sin problem, if it is not properly dealt with, will cause us far more pain and suffering than any physical uh, issue this world has to offer. Our, our, our sin will cause us far greater issues. <clears throat> but when it is properly dealt with, when we do accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers, when we do make Jesus our Lord and Savior, when we are obedient to Him in, in baptism and, and following His commands, we have... The hope of no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. We have the hope of heaven. We have the promises uh, of what is to come. And Jesus deals with the bigger problem first. And it causes a bit of a causes a bit of an issue for the Pharisees. Mark says in verse 6, he says, Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Luke says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knows what they're thinking. Jesus can hear their thoughts because he's God, right? But, but they, <coughs> they didn't realize, they didn't understand that Jesus is God. So in a way, they're not entirely wrong in their thinking. They say, well, only God can forgive sins. They're right about that. But they're wrong in thinking that Jesus was blaspheming because Jesus, of course, is God. Right? Jesus knows it because he is God. And so he just goes ahead and does something about the physical side as well. Immediately, Mark says in verse 8, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I won't read through Luke, but it, it says essentially the same thing. <clears throat> Jesus knows what they're thinking. 
And he says, well, I've already dealt with the bigger problem, but I'm going to deal with the physical problem too. So many people would look only at the physical health of the man and the way that it changed so drastically and think that's the most important thing about this story. A lot of people probably in that room thought, well, he's healed. His body is, is better, and that's the most important thing. But it's not. It's a drastic change, and it is amazing, right? This shouldn't happen. It's, it's not the way that it works. When you're paralyzed, you're paralyzed. That's it, especially back then, right? Now, with, with the incredible advancements in technology, you know, sometimes... Uh, you know, they can, they can get people up and, and walking and doing different things that they never would have thought of even, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, let alone 2,000 years ago, right? But this man who hasn't walked in, in who knows how long, hasn't used his legs, hasn't done anything, gets up, picks up his mat, and walks out the door. All right, I'm only 33 years old. I'm relatively healthy. I'm in decent shape. Um, if I sit the wrong way for too long, and I get up, my legs don't really work right sometimes. I get, if I tuck my leg under me and then get up, like I got to, you know, shake it off and, and walk. And this guy hasn't walked in years, probably. His, physically, it shouldn't be possible. All right, at at uh, Greenview in Centralia, where I was before here, uh, we had a parent of some of our youth students who, uh, his, his name's Chuck, and few years before we got there, he was in uh, a bad accident, um, and he paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, and Chuck is in incredible shape, right? He, to the point where, like, he's the captain of the United States wheelchair rugby team. Uh, he's got multiple Olympic medals um, from the Paralympics. So, like, dude is in shape, right? But his legs are, they're weak. They're flimsy. He can't use them. He can't do anything with them. Right? He has no strength in his legs. If, if someone told him to, to get up and walk, his legs couldn't possibly support him. No such problem for this guy. He gets up, he walks out, because Jesus heals completely and totally. Right? This paralyzed man shouldn't have been able to do this. But he did because Jesus. Right? So, so what do we learn from the text? I, I think there's three uh, important things for us to learn. And the first is, sometimes uh, we need friends who will do whatever it takes to get us to Jesus. Uh, when I was a teenager, I, I didn't know Jesus. I needed people who were going to do whatever it took to get me there. And so that was, it was rides to and from church. It was, you know, uh, it was meals. It was buying me a Bible. It was reading the Bible with me. It was, it was praying for me, helping me to, to understand the scriptures. For, for this man, it was literally his friends carrying him to where Jesus was. But we need people who will do whatever it takes to make sure we know Jesus. At some point, someone shared Jesus Christ with you, right? I don't think there's anyone in this room who just decided completely and totally on their own, I'm going to start reading the Bible and I'm going to get to know Jesus. No, someone, someone told you about him. And that started the process that changed your life forever. If we really believe 
that Jesus is who he says he is, if we really believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God, if we really believe that, <coughs> that what we come here for uh, on Sunday mornings is, is real and, and worth something, it, that heaven and hell are real, then once someone has done whatever it takes to get us to God, whatever that looks like, we need to do, our second point, we need to do whatever it takes to get others to Jesus, short of sin. Now, I, I, I don't know how anything sinful could possibly bring someone to Jesus, so I don't think, you know, that, that's going to be an issue. But we need to go above and beyond because there's nothing that we'll ever do that will be more important than dealing with our sin and knowing Jesus and everything that he has to offer. There, there's nothing more important that we could do for someone else than to help introduce them to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one and only who can save them, right? This is, this should be obvious. But a lot of times we let little things get in the way, right? We let those obstacles stop us that, you know, they're really, you know, about a 10-inch tall wall that we could just step right over, but we say, oh, I can't get past that. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to give up. We need friends who will do whatever it takes to get us to Jesus. We need to do whatever it takes to get others to Jesus. And finally, we need to understand the real problem. The, the, the problem isn't, well, they, they like a, a different sports team than me, or they're from a different town than I am, or they have a different skin color, or they have a different favorite politician, or they have a different favorite color than I do. Those are all man-made divisions, and each of them has their, their own issues. People with the favorite color of red just, no. Nah. Dan, Danny Larson shared last week, you know, the, the, all the work that Pine Haven does. He says we can, we can help the family and, and we can teach them skills and, and we can do all these other things. But if they don't come to know Jesus, they've got a bigger problem. They've got an eternal problem. Now, we do need to meet the external needs that people have, right? Jesus says when he's separating uh, the, the sheep and the goats... Uh, he says, you or <clears throat> excuse me, I was hungry and you gave me something to, to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something uh, to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And vice versa, didn't do it. So, so on and so on. These, these physical needs that people have are important. They matter. Um, part, of our, part of our training as foster parents, uh, Whitney and I have had, it, it teaches us that a lot of the problems that children face who've been through these traumatic situations, they'll come up in the strangest of ways. They'll, they'll, they'll start to deal with their trauma in ways that are, don't seem to be related to it at all. But it's just, it's rewired their brain. They, they do not function the same way as a child who was brought up in a loving, caring, nurturing environment because of their trauma, because of the things that happened. Schools, they, they serve breakfast uh, in the morning because they know a hungry kid doesn't learn, right? And, and 
a lot of kids aren't necessarily getting uh, the, the food that they need at home. Uh, how many of you would say, you know, you can't function in the morning until, you know, you get your coffee? Um, there, there are lots of people, you know, in this world that I, don't talk to me. I, I'm not ready until, you know, I've had my coffee. For me, it's like, give me 10 minutes. I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but it's like, let me wake up. Let me start to process everything and, you know, shake the cobwebs out and, and then I'll be ready to go. Like, um, <clears throat> we understand that, that these physical needs, they matter, right? And, and a lot of times people can't see Jesus past their physical needs. And so we do have to help. And that's why we have our food pantry. That's why we help uh, our missions and do all those different things. Uh, they're important and they matter, but none of them matter as much as dealing with their sin. We need to help them physically uh, and, and emotionally, but we also help, have to help them spiritually. We need to pray. We need to teach them what the scriptures say. We need to teach them, here's what Jesus says to do. Jesus healed the paralyzed man spiritually before ever dealing with his physical ailment because he knew that's what was most important. You know, today it might be something physical uh, that, that you need prayer for. And, you know, it's come, we'll, we'll pray, we'll be happy to, we'll support you, we'll help you, we'll do whatever we can for you. All right. <clears throat> we, we want to ask for it, and we want to pray for it. Um, <coughs> maybe for, for others, it might be, you know, emotionally, we're just going through a really difficult time right now. You need, you need support. Like, like Mike said, we don't want to get in that situation where we're like the, the piece of charcoal that gets separated out away, and, and that fire dies down, right? We need each other. We need the support and the love and the care of the body of Christ. Okay? I, I, I tell my students all the time, the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. It's supposed to be done in community. It's supposed to be done together. And, and so, you know, there are people who aren't here this morning, I, I imagine, because they're, they're stuck at home. They're, you know, Georgiana fell on the ice, and so she's hurting. She's not at home. Edith isn't here, I imagine, because of the weather. Make sure we're reaching out to those people that we don't see. We're, we're trying to connect and engage with those people uh, that, that aren't up and around because they still need to feel connected. They still need our, our love and our, and our support so that they don't begin to feel alone. They don't get isolated. Now, Edith and Georgiana, they're not going to turn from Jesus because they're alone for a few days. They love the Lord as much as anybody I've ever known, but still feels good when people reach out, right? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows how that feels. Um, <clears throat> we need friends who will do whatever it takes to get us to Jesus. And we need to be friends who will do whatever it takes to get us to Jesus. Because there's nothing more important. There's nothing that matters more than making sure people know him and love him. Because he's coming back someday. And, and I look forward to that, I think, probably more than I have at any point in my life. I think God has, God has taught me some things lately that I, I look forward to him coming back. But until he does, there's work to do.
There's people that don't know him. There's people that I know and love and care about that don't know him. And I've got to do something, whatever I can, to try and make sure that when he comes back, they're ready. We're going we're gonna to sing another uh, invitation song here. Um, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no better day today than today to do that. There's no more important decision that you will ever make than to repent of your sin and to place all of your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. If you need to do that today, if you need, if you need prayer for a, a physical, emotional, spiritual need, anything at all, come as we sing this last song and let's do what we can together.